0: Coming up on this week's show, we give book recommendations and a recap of Book Lovers Con from Jay. This is the Big Gay Fiction
1: Podcast, the show for avid readers and passionate fans of gay romance fiction. Each week, we bring you exclusive author interviews, book recommendations, and explore the latest in gay pop culture. Welcome, everyone, to episode 190 of the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Will from WillKnaus.com, and with me as always is my co-host and husband, Mr. Jeff Adams. Hey everybody. <laughs> I like your little extra little hmm there. <laughs> who who is the guy who um oh, I'm gonna stand here and act like an idiot. The guy who did the the announcing for like laughing and um Oh my goodness. What's what's his I name? I can't think of his name though. I mean, because, like, you know, in the 60s, that was a thing. The announcers would do the... the... This is... Oh, God, this conversation is going absolutely nowhere. (laughs) Let's just move on. Um, uh, Happy holiday weekend, everyone. This particular episode is going to be dropping on Memorial Day of 2019. We hope you are all enjoying your extended uh, vacation weekend, Um, whether you (sighs) were... out at the beach or having a barbecue with the family, Uh, we hope that you had some time to uh, crack open a book and spend some time with your fictional friends. For many
0: people, it could be the first weekend of of beach reads. Exactly. Potentially, yeah. Exactly. And boy, there are some good books out there this year, too, to to be reading. Uh, Perhaps you would like to read a book I'm putting out, At the beach. (laughs) How's that for a seg? That was smooth. Smooth. (laughs) So smooth. (laughs) As we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, I am coming up on the release of Netminder, which is the fourth and final book in the Codename Winger series. I have to say I'm super excited where I'm spending a part of my release week. Um, Gregory Ash has at least enjoyed the first book that I know of, and he invited me to come and hang out on his website. Uh, at the early part of the week for an interview uh, as the book starts to come out. So I'm really excited to Mm. be on his site since I love his books so, so much. And I'll actually be reviewing one here in just a few minutes. Uh, So he does interview me and we have a giveaway for a book in the series. uh, So you can go over to his site and check it out. He's at GregoryAsh.com and there'll be a link in the show notes. And that post should be up on Monday uh, if we have coordinated ourselves correctly. So (laughs) keep an eye out for it. Um, I'll also be over at Scattered Thoughts and Rogue Words on Thursday, May 30th, where I have a post about what it's like to write a teenager on the run. Uh, There'll also be an exclusive excerpt there and a giveaway as well. And I should also mention, because June 1st is coming up on Saturday, uh, Tracker Hacker is actually gonna go on sale for 99 cents throughout the month of June in celebration of Pride. So if you have not started the Codename Winger series yet, it's a perfect opportunity to pick up book one at a super cheap price mm-hmm. for the entire month. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, you're getting one book at like something like four dollars off. So then you can go pick up the others if if reading the adventures of a teen spy happens to be your jam. Mm-hmm. I guess we should also talk about something else coming up on June first. Yeah, just right around the corner. Uh, it's almost time. Can you believe we're scheduling things into 2020? Uh, yes, I do believe it because that's what we've been doing lately, and it's crazy. I don't know how if this might be the earliest year that I have ever ever bought a 2020 calendar. Uh, it's already posted on the wall. It's already got stuff written on it, which is crazy down. But you too could start planning your 2020 because. Registration for the 2020 Coastal Magic Convention opens on June 1st. And we are excited to be coming back as featured bloggers and podcasters for the event. It was so fun last year. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it again. I mean, going to the beach in February, what's not to like about that? I mean, come on, the rest of the country is kind of left freezing to death. So what is Coastal Magic, you ask? Well, it's a beachside reader reader weekend that celebrates the magic of stories and storytellers. It's a super casual convention and book signing in Daytona Beach, Florida, hence the beach thing. And our goal is to bring authors and readers together for a memorable weekend by the beach. With panels designed to start interesting discussion and meet and greets with fun themes, there's something for just about every reader. While there is a schedule, there is also plenty of time for authors and fans to just hang out together. And Saturday's book sale and signing is open to the convention attendees, but also free and open to the public. The featured author lineup showcases not only best-selling favorites, but debut and new to you authors that are sure to catch your attention. So come to the beach and hang out with the readers and the bloggers and all kinds of fun shenanigans. It's going to be February 20th through 23rd of 2020, and you can get all the details at coastalmagicconvention.com. Saturday, June 1st, registration opens, and you'll also get to see the awesome lineup of featured authors for 2020.
2: Hi, I'm Jay from the LGBTQ romance review blog Joyfully Jay. At Joyfully Jay, we review tons of LGBTQ romance, as well as romantic fiction and nonfiction. We review ebooks, audiobooks, and even the occasional movie. We typically review about 18 books a week, so Joyfully J is a great place to hear about new releases, catch up on books you may have missed, and find some new favorites. In addition to our reviews, each weekday we host an author as our first post of the day. This gives readers a chance to learn more about new releases, get exclusive excerpts, find out about the author, and participate in great giveaways. Each author post on Joyfully J is exclusive, so you get access to book and author information you can't find other places. At Joyfully J, we love LGBTQ romance and are excited to share it with you. Stop by the blog at joyfullyj.com. You can also visit us on our Facebook group, The Joyful Jays. We'd love to have you join us.
0: So we've got three books to tell you about this week, and I am going to kick it off with a new one from one of my very favorite authors. Anybody who's listened to the podcast probably over the past year knows that I've become a huge fan of Gregory Ash's Hazard and Somerset series. And because of those books, I was eager to get Orientation, which is the first in Gregory's Borealis Investigation series, which just dropped this past Friday on May 24th. The new book simply extends my love of his storytelling. Uh, the Borealis Investigations firm is run by Shaw Eldridge and North McKinney, Two friends and public public detectives? No, private detectives. Are there such a thing as public detectives? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Private detectives who are on the verge of losing their business. Now, because of events that happened before the book actually begins, North's license is suspended, meaning he can't actively work on any case. But, of course, one arrives on the doorstep. Maddie Finmore comes in looking for Shaw. This young man, uh, he's so pretty. He's blonde, pretty, very alluring to everybody. But he's being blackmailed, and he very much wants Shaw's help. And it's not just Maddie who's being blackmailed, though. As Shaw and North begin to dig into what's happening, they find an undercurrent of blackmail and deception running through the local LGBTQ community, going as deep as politicians and police. And it's a a scam that's been going on for years. It's so elaborate. And, And Shaw and North keep chasing these leads and finding that even the blackmailed are... Blackmailing other people, just to keep it all interesting. They persist with their investigations, though, even as their lives become in danger. Maddie ends up attacked and outrageous demands are made. It's particularly rough on Shaw, though, because he's developing feelings for the young man, even as he already carries a torch for the married North. The book is so incredibly intricate. It's so awesome to read. And in the vein of the Hazard and Somerset books, Things are never what they seem. And this is one of the things I love about what, how Gregory writes these books. These tales are so twisted, and yet, as far as I could tell in the reading, there's not a red herring sitting in there anywhere because everything ends up and matters somehow, and it's all interconnected in such an amazing way. And once you get to the end of the books, you, you really see how clearly it really is all laid out, much how the detectives figured it out. I haven't talked to anybody yet, and I'd really like to see if there's anybody who could figure out Greg's books before they get to the end, because I just can't do that in these cases. I love, in this case, too, how Shaw and North are like polar opposites of Hazard and Summers. Shaw and North have been friends for years. They have a true and deep friendship, and that makes their working relationship far different than what we see in the other series. They rely on and trust each other, and that really gets them through things that would break most other relationships. There are some particularly difficult situations in this book, too. And the way that Shaw and North face those, it really is keeping the characters grounded, um, including some really amazing banter that Gregory's written here. And this really shows their strong history, and it also propels the story forward uh, because of how they get through this stuff. Now, people always keep secrets. I mean, that's just true in real life, right? But, oh my God, the secrets that are in this book, Shaw has so much baggage because we find out that he and his boyfriend were assaulted while they were in college. And the scars, the physical and mental scars he carries from that, run far deeper than even North realizes. And North, on the other hand, has some pretty massive secrets as well. And what was going on with him actually provided one of the biggest shocks in the entire book for me. Uh, he's so masterful in how he weaves all this stuff, stuff together. It's really so stunning and so compelling. It was the one of the best two weeks I've had reading a book. Uh, I and mean, I wish I could have read it faster, but it was one of those two where I couldn't, if I sped up at all, I ran the risk of missing something important later. So I had to just keep my smooth and easy pace. Uh, his second book, Triangulation, uh, for this series is due out August 9th, and I so, so can't wait for it because I've read the blurb for it and it just sounds like it's just going to be, oh, my God. Anyway, if you can't tell, I very much recommend Orientation from Gregory Ash if you're in the mood. If you want to go to the beach and have a nice little mystery to unfold while you're you're hanging out. Fantastic. Yeah, so, so good. Now, you've got two books for us.
1: Yeah, the first book I want to talk about is The Athlete and the Aristocrat by Louisa Masters. Oh, wait, before I start that, I believe it was Gary Owens who was the announcer on *Laughing*. Yes, I think you are right. Apropos of nothing else. Okay, now back to the book review. We know
0: exactly what you were thinking about <laughs> while I was talking.
1: <laughs> um, athlete and the Aristocrat. Now, the athlete of the title is Simon Wood. He is a world-renowned but now retired footballer, and by footballer I mean soccer player. Of course. Uh, He's putting all of his time and effort into a new sports charity for underprivileged kids, and he finally gets the backing he needs from the Morrell Corporation with the proviso that Lucian Morrell, uh, he is the aristocrat of the title, um, he's going to serve as the business consultant for the charity. Lucien suggests Simon fly with him to Monaco for the weekend You know, as one does Of course And they can uh, work on the plane and discuss business plans for the charity over the the coming days Um, The chemistry and connection between the two of them is like practically immediate And it's not long before they tumble into bed together As one does As one does (laughs) Now they enjoy a wonderful few months of being co-workers with benefits um, But they keep everything on the down low Fearing that, you know uh, any appearance of impropriety would reflect poorly on a charity. Um, that doesn't stop them, of course, from like falling really hard for one another and dreaming of a future together. The charity launch uh, is a resounding success, and just as they're about to go public with the relationship, a really nasty tabloid story comes out, and it threatens everything that they've worked so hard to achieve. Um, things are, of course, eventually resolved. Um, what I really liked about what Louisa Masters has done with this particular ending, um, it l- left me so satisfied as a reader. It's the kind of ending that makes you smile and you go, oh, because it's so utterly and completely perfect. Mm-hmm. I'm those. I'm purposely being vague right now. It's because... Um, uh, it's been brought to my attention that some people don't like the way I spoil the endings of books in my book reviews. Uh, and my argument has always been that these are romance novels that I'm talking about. We all know how they end. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I'm being purposely vague right now is because I thought there was a really lovely uh, and interesting twist Um, that uh, the story sort of hinges on. So I'm I'm not going to spoil that for anybody. Uh, But trust me, it's really lovely. Um, What's really nice about this particular book, uh, just as an aside, is that the twist um, has nothing to do with um, how our two heroes feel about one another. Um, They are like 100% solid. They are in it for the long haul. They are in love period. End of story. (laughs) Um, the, the, the kind of drama and conflict is coming from the outside and it's outside pressure that they have to resolve. Um, This book isn't officially part of a series, but it does share a story world with the author's previous book, The Bunny and the Billionaire. Mm -hmm. Uh, In that book, Leo, uh, who is Lucian's best friend, uh, falls for an Australian tourist named Ben. And Leo and Ben both make an appearance in The Athlete and the Aristocrat, uh, and they're a genuinely important part of the story. I want to mention the standard caveat applies. Both books can, of course, be read as a standalone, but you'll get more out of it if you've read both of them, which I do recommend because both of these books are really fantastic. Um, so I also want to quickly mention uh, kudos to audiobook narrator uh, Seb Yerick. This book is chock full of international accents. Uh, let's see, Lucien is French, Simon is British, uh, Ben is Australian.
0: Oh, um, <laughs> and He does a
1: genuinely wonderful job. If audio is your thing, I highly recommend you check. That sounds delightful. Yeah, I really, really, I really love the stuff that Louisa does because she, these two characters, uh, Lucian and Simon, they're just uh, enormous, larger than life people. Um, one's like a, a a playboy billionaire kind of. Uh, businessman. The other one is an international sports superstar, but she really grounds them and makes them genuinely human. And the story is primarily about the the small moments, the very human, normal, everyday moments that the two of them share together. And it makes you
0: root for them and fall for them even more. That's cool. Because you got to have a little bit more than we're jetting off to know. where were they going monaco or wherever <laughs> Yes, they, they go they fly off to monaco <laughs>
1: over the weekend that's what they do um the second book i want to talk about this week uh is called human omega discovered on the slave planet
0: yeah it, it's appropriate that we're doing our coastal magic promo inside this episode because you learned about this book at Coastal Magic this past year. hmm When
1: we were in Florida, uh, we kind of hung out a little bit with audiobook narrator Joel Leslie. And he would not shut up about this Space Cats book. <laughs> um, now, Joel has never... Um, uh, He's never misled us on a book. Exactly. Um, so I was curious about what this book was all about. I've, I've finally uh, taken the plunge... Uh, And I was richly rewarded. And I'm going to try to explain right now why this is such a wonderful, exceptional book. Um, First of all, uh, Space Cats, hashtag Space Cats. Um, The reason Joel calls it that is because uh, two of the main characters are, in fact, aliens. And they are uh, members of a feline race. Uh, In the book, they are sort of described as uh, they're roughly like seven feet tall uh, and they're um, space cats uh, who happen to have a a ridge of quills that runs along uh, their back. And these quills can either uh, lay flat like a porcupine, but they can also be used as defensive measures. So the plot of this book is relatively simple. It takes place over a relatively short period of time, uh, roughly two days. Um, Our three main characters are kind of uh, thrown together in a cage. Uh, They're all slaves to this invading alien bug race. Uh, and our two, uh, main feline characters are Seal and Pike. Uh, and they are thrown together with a space marine. His name is Carter. And, uh, Seal and Pike immediately fall for Carter because he's so tiny and pink and helpless. Uh, <laughs> he, he, uh, he essentially becomes their Omega and their full-time job is like making sure that he doesn't come to harm. Uh, uh, unfortunately they realize that, uh, Carter is going to be offered up as tribute to a visiting like bug dignitary. Uh, so they have to come up with a plan really, really quick, either how to escape or how they're going to save poor Carter from this fate worse than death. Uh, and that's essentially the plot of the entire book. What was really, really exceptional, what Eileen Glass has done, is, is she's told the story in alternating first-person point of view. And what I think um, what's particularly exceptional is, is that each of the characters have their own very distinct uh, character voice and a very distinct worldview. Um, Seal is the older of the two feline uh, aliens, and he remembers a time before the bugs invaded their home planet. And so he's sort of like a teacher to Pike. Pike grew up in captivity. He's never known anything else. So he's a little younger and uh, a little more naive about the world that he lives in. Because he lives in a cage and his job is to like wake up every day and go pick fruit for his bug masters. That's the only world he really knows. Um, so the sort of like strange words and concepts that Seal keeps sharing with him are so new and interesting to him uh, because uh, that's all he's ever known. But what's really nice is that Even though Pike is naive, he's certainly not dumb. He's the only one of the three heroes who actually understands the bug language because he's lived around Mm. it his entire life. And that becomes very, very helpful at the end (laughs) of the book. Um, Carter, what's really interesting is uh, the way... He sees the world. He's been uh, captured and thrown into this like bizarre, otherworldly situation, um, where he has to learn to communicate with these two uh, feline creatures. He does not speak their language. So they sort of have to, like set up a, a rudimentary language of, like, you know, like pointing at stuff and miming stuff out. Uh, And part of the tension of the story comes from how they have to uh, like work together in order to free themselves and how difficult that is, is when you don't have any uh, common language to -hmm. to share. Um, Carter uh, is helpful to the group because he is a space engineer and Mm -hmm. the bugs are actually sort of a scavenger race and, Um, Seal uses what is essentially a lightsaber to like prepare meals for his bug overlords, Uh, and Carter manages to get his hands on the lightsaber and jerry-rigs it so he can uh, use it against their oppressors. Um, Our three heroes eventually do escape, and the story ends on a happy for now. Um, They've won their freedom, but their future is uncertain. There's still a large portion of the planet that they have to traverse in order to uh, find, hopefully, what's left of the other uh, feline creatures, uh, and they can uh, start living their life again. So, (laughs) this book is so damn good. I I don't even think my, my sort of, rambling description of what it's about really does it justice. Um, Eileen Glass is, as I said, I think the alternating point of view really pulls you in and gets you invested uh, in the characters uh, from the get-go. Um, I think once you open this book, you're probably not going to want to put it down uh, until you're finished reading it. Um, another thing I think what the author did was that was you know particularly exceptional. Is is that the primary reason I don't read sci-fi or fantasy is because I hate world building. I think it is the most deadly, dull, and boring thing ever. And what Eileen Glass has done is that she only gives you information you need uh, in order to make sense of the experiences of our three main heroes.
0: Um, so that I genuinely appreciated mm-hmm. that. I wondered honestly how you got through sci-fi because you hate that so much, and now I know because she actually just doled it out when you needed it instead of like, mm-hmm. "Here's everything in mm-hmm. chapter one." Mm-hmm.
1: So here's here's the thing about Human Omega: discover it on the slave planet. The book cover is kind of meh. <laughs> it is. It's a shirtless guy. Uh, in front of a generic space background. So the book cover isn't anything particularly exceptional. And the title is, while it describes the book literally, Mm -hmm. um, it actually doesn't really tell you anything about it. So the title is also a little bit meh. Um, I truly believe this is one of the rare instances where you should not judge a book by its cover. I think um, even if you are not a fan of sci-fi, I think you might be a fan of this particular book. Um, there is a second and actually the third book was actually released this past week. Uh, here we are at the end of May in 2019. So there is a trilogy about these three interesting uh, genuinely compelling characters uh, I have a couple of other books that are at the top of my TBR, but as soon as I am done with those, I am diving into the second because I really love this series and I cannot recommend enough human Omega discovered
0: on the slave planet. So I have to share as you were talking, yes, and outlining and giving me this book, because the only thing that I knew kind of going into the whole thing was space cats, because of having heard Joel talk about it mm-hmm. somehow before you got to the cruel part, or the, the, the spikes on the back. For some reason, all of a sudden, I envisioned Space Cats as Cheetah from Super Friends.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is
0: wrong. Mm-hmm. But that's just what popped into my head. And then the bug planet made me think of Starship Troopers. Mm-hmm. So Cheetah in space, Starship Troopers, that's... But it sounds much more compelling than that. <laughs> but I just had to share kind of where my brain clicked around as you as you were doing that. So remember, everybody, if you want details on the books or anything else you mentioned in this episode, simply go to the show notes page on BigGayFictionPodcast.com for episode 190. Did you know that podcasts love to get reviews too? Taking a moment to leave a review about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast helps us with the show's visibility online. Please take a moment to visit iTunes and
1: leave a review. Your comments help other readers of gay romance discover this show.
0: Thanks for helping us spread the word about the Big Gay Fiction Podcast. So this past week I was able to catch up with Jay from Joyfully Jay. Not only is she here this time with awesome book recommendations, but she also just had gotten back from Book Lovers Con down in New Orleans when we spoke. So she's got the scoop on that for us as well. Welcome back, Jay, to the podcast.
2: Hi, Jeff. How are you?
0: Doing good, thanks. Great to have you here. I know you've got some book recommendations for us, and we're going to talk a little bit about the recent uh, BLC that you've just gotten back from.
2: Yes, I'm very excited. I have lots of uh, interesting stuff to share.
0: Excellent. So let's start off with some book recs. What have you been reading lately?
2: Um, Well, you know, I've been reading a lot of stuff, even though I've been traveling, Um, So one thing I wanted to talk about that I really enjoyed recently, um, Firm Hand by Nora Phoenix. I haven't read a lot of her work, but I know she's hugely popular. So I was really excited. She just had um, a book come out, which I reviewed last week. um, And it completely got my attention because it is age gap stories, which are always sort of my catnip, but it's a um, dom-sub reverse age gap. So it is a older sub with a younger Dom, which I always love, um, books that sort of mix up the expected dynamic. And, um, what also flows through this is that, um, the older sub was best friends with the younger Dom's father, who recently died in an accident. And both of them are going through the grieving process with that, as well as building their relationship. So I thought it was really, um, well done and a really interesting dynamic. I really liked the way that um, Nora Phoenix explored the whole idea of Sub Cornell feels like he's sort of past his prime. He's older. He feels like everyone's looking for younger subs. He is um, has just been in a car accident, so he's got some physical limitations. And he sort of feels like, how am I ever going to find love and happiness again? Is anyone going to even look at me twice? And then you have the younger man, Reese, who is... Um, sort of a, gets the baby dom label and everybody thinks of him as sort of not experienced enough and not quite enough. So I liked how in addition to all these other dynamics that she really explored that, you know, age and people's expectations of you and how all of that um, can sort of play into your relationships and your sense of self. And so um, it was a surprisingly sweet story for all of the, you know, kink and taboo elements going in. So I really enjoyed that. And that uh, review is already up. And um also today, I think I've been on an older hero kick. Um, maybe I'm feeling my maybe I'm feeling my age. Um, today is running um, "Escort" by Harper Fox, and I'm a huge Harper Fox fan, and uh, she's written some of my all-time favorite books. But um, this one got my attention because it's two year um, fifty-year-old heroes, which again is virtually unheard of in um, yeah. romance land. And it's a um, man, George, who. Um, His husband recently, his husband of 20 years recently left him and sort of decided he wanted to reinvent his life and has married a woman and is about to father a child and he, George is about to turn 50 and is definitely feeling sort of at a loss for how to move forward with his life and his brother hires him um, a silver fox escort and the two of them hit it off. But um, it's an interesting story structure because it's divided into three parts. Um, of three clients, George being the first, and then two subsequent ones who all end up tying together in um, sort of a suspense plot that comes in that I didn't quite see coming. So um, it was really, it was really good, and Harper Fox really can always be counted on for great books. So
0: I am I super intrigued by that. The...
2: Yeah, it is. There's a really interesting dynamic the way that the three stories end up or the three clients end up connecting and how it sort of all plays together. And obviously, you have to be cool with the whole fact that Silver is an escort and he is um, having pretty much mostly off page, but sex with other clients in the meantime. Um, And George is completely accepting of what Silver does and introduces him to his friends without any shame, which I really, really appreciate. Mm
0: -hmm. So
2: um, I enjoyed that quite a lot.
0: Very cool. I think I think that's going on my TBR.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, you can't go wrong with Harper Fox's books. But, um, and then last couple of weeks I read Gideon, Gideon, excuse me, by Lily Morton. So I know I think I've talked about Lily Morton basically every time I'm on your podcast. I'm an enormous fan, and this was the end of her um, Finding Home trilogy. So Gideon was sort of a bad guy in book two. Um, in Milo, he was Milo's brother and. In this book, we get his redemption story, which I always am a fan of when an author can turn a character that you may not like and make them so um, relatable and empathetic. And you really get to see Gideon here, um, what's going on behind the scenes. And it's such a great relationship um, between him and Eli and all of her usual banter and fun. And um, definitely you could jump into this one if you haven't read the others. But, of course, getting to see the characters... um, all interact with each other across the series is super fun so definitely if you're a fan of that series you need to be reading it but even if not um, I think you can pick it up and uh, he's basically a uh, you know actor who has sort of fallen into complete chaos in his life and um, almost dies from a drug overdose and Eli is his um, nurse that comes in to take care of him and uh, their hands-off while they're patient and nurse but um, once they get past that relationship, things are full bore. So really great, excellent.
0: And you've also had a, a Jordan L. Hawk moment.
2: Yes, I'm so excited. Um, the latest book in Jordan Spector series, *Stalker of Shadows*, is out, and um, this is actually a serial. So there's it runs in seasons with an overarching arc for each season, and then a individual paranormal mystery in each individual episode. So. Um, the end of last season sort of rocked our worlds in terms of everything that happened and all the change. And um, so the new book in this um, third season just came out and um, lots of change for the characters. This is just for anyone not familiar. It's a story, um, a paranormal story. And John is um, works for Spectre, which is sort of a paranormal police investigation kind of agency. And um, Caleb in the very first very first story very first installment um, dies and in that exact moment where he's being brought back to life or he's being resuscitated there is a um, dracul or sort of vampire demon kind of thing that jumps into his body and normally it occupies a dead body but because Caleb is coming back to life at that exact second they now are two beings in one body essentially so it's a weird, not quite menage in that there's not three characters, but definitely Grey and Caleb are two very distinct um, very distinct beings with their own personalities inhabiting Caleb's body. So it's unbelievably good. I read the first season in like six books in like three days. Like I could not put it down. So super excited and definitely you need to start at the beginning, but definitely um, if you're a fan of paranormal um, and sort of investigative suspense stuff definitely check them out
0: very cool all right well as we're as we always do we will of course link to the books and the reviews on joyfully jay uh, for Great. all those books so folks can check those out now as we're recording this you've been home for just a couple of days from book lovers con which happened right. and, which just wrapped up in new orleans on sunday may 19th this, right. of course, is the reincarnation of the old Romantic Times convention. Uh, exactly. How was this new incarnation of this con that's been around forever?
2: Yeah, it was I was really interested to see how that transition would happen. Um, a lot of the staff who managed the old RT have now taken over the new book lovers' con. So I feel like it was very seamless. Um, but also I think they really looked at everything that they were doing in the past and evaluated whether it was something that wanted to change or redefine or improve. So there were a lot of small changes that I think really um, came together nicely. Um, One of the things that was interesting is that it's, um, there was a lot, there were a lot more workshops and professional development things. Sessions were longer, which was nice because there was more time to really um, delve into things. Um, And then, So I sort of straddled the line between professional development with some blogger things that I ran, as well as, um, and some craft things I attended, as well as the reader end where there were just parties and books and fun galore. So um, really, I think they took that um, from a reader perspective. There were so many opportunities to meet authors and to get books and Prizes, and I couldn't even take everything that was offered to me because I couldn't fit it all in my suitcase <laughs> So it really was um, you know a nice for me Like I said as someone who sort of straddles the line I felt like it was a really nice balance I came away having really learned some things as well as being able to just hang out and have fun at some parties and some events and things like that mm-hmm.
0: What were some of the highlights for you because we we saw so much on social media so many great images coming from it
2: sure Sure. Um, well, I would say on the professional end, I, um, with Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, um, she and I for the past four or five years have run the Blogger pre conference. And so this year they did not have the pre events, um, so we did a abbreviated version of our Blogger workshop. And that was a lot of fun. We had some familiar faces who came back and some new folks, and we talked a lot about um, blogging and tools for managing your blog and tools for, um, advertising and money-making and making things flow more seamlessly. So, um, I always love to meet other bloggers and talk to them and hear what they're doing. And so that was a lot of fun. And then after that, I got to meet with, um, or moderate the panel, um, with some publishers who were talking to bloggers about, you know, working with publishers and getting books and things like that. But it was really exciting to see that, um, some publishers were sort of taking their first forays into LGBT romance, which, um, or at least um, some early forays that don't typically publish. So um, I was really excited, Source books, they were saying that they're publishing um, Annabeth Albert next year, as well as Alexis Hall, um, both of which I think are new for them. So that was really exciting. And um, I got a heads up about a new um, book coming from Penguin Random House from Berkeley, um, royalties british royalty with u.s commoner which is um the Meghan markle effect i think is spreading far and wide um which i am all there for that so really exciting just to hear about what was coming up and talk to some publishers um so that was a lot of fun and then um with some really great parties and events you may have seen the pictures from the um fairy party Mm -hmm. on thursday night but i mean i was blown away by the decorations and the centerpieces and they had fairies with light up wings like women justice fairies on stilts stilt walking throughout (laughs) i mean i was just you know shocked it was was just really sort of over the top beautiful decorations um so that was a lot of fun And, um, I went to a fun reader party that was, um, crafting party and we all sat around and knit and crafted and they gave away yarn and knitting needles and got to talk to other crafters. There was just a lot of, um, fun things and a nice balance between professional development and craft kind of things and fun things for readers. So, and of course, New Orleans, um, you can't go wrong. I, um... My husband came for a few days and all we did was tour and eat and um, continue to eat throughout the week. So I'm probably 20 pounds heavier than I was last week. But... Um,
0: That's easy to do in New Orleans. Every,
2: oh, God. I mean, everything is rich and heavy and delicious, but you can do it for a week. I couldn't do it too much longer.
0: For the readers who primarily focus on the, the MM romance genre, should they be looking at going? To BLC next year, it's, a new, it's uh, in Nashville next year at the Opryland Hotel.
2: Nashville. Yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten announcements of who the authors will be yet. Um, and so I think that's something to watch for to sort of see who's there and are your favorites there. Um, I think overall, the conference is very welcoming, accepting to LGBT romance readers. Um, they really, um, everything is sort of very integrated. So there's not like a gay romance track. Um, all the LGBT romance authors are on all the panels and part of all the events um, that are happening. So I think that there's a lot going on. I definitely felt like there were plenty of authors there that I wanted to interact with and that I knew Um, dream spinners had a big presence for the last several years. And I'm assuming that will continue. So um, there were a lot of dream spinner authors there, a lot of Karina authors there um, who write LGBT romance. So it was, um, I mean, I feel like, Um, There's a lot there, but obviously as they start releasing who the authors are going to be for next year, that's something to watch for.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you so much for kind of being our person on the scene at BLC.
2: Definitely. (laughs) Definitely. I wish you could have been there.
0: Yeah. It just, yeah, there's too much going on in our travel schedule. We talked about it on the show a couple weeks ago, like the travel we've got coming up. It's like we just could not stuff one more thing in there.
2: Yeah, and they're actually moving it back by – a couple months till March next year, which is tough timing because it's um, only a few weeks after. I'll be at Coastal, which Mm -hmm. I I think I will see you there as well, right? Yes. Um, And there's some other stuff going on, so I've got to navigate all of my travel next year. But um, I know sometimes timing of when these events are can make it difficult.
0: Yeah, that's something everybody has to look at, of course, because Coastal Magic 2020 registration starts uh, on Saturday, June 1st.
2: Yes, so. I know she's doing it a little earlier this year. I am signed up. I'm coming back as a future blogger. You're coming back, yes, as a future blogger. Yes, we are. Uh, yeah, so I'm super excited. It's always one of my favorite events of the year, so I'm super excited.
0: Yeah, looking forward to it. Well, all right, Jay. Thank you so much for telling us about BLC, giving us some book recs, and uh, we'll yeah, look to have you, you back here in a few me. weeks. Thanks again to Jay for the book recs and. The look at Book Lovers con it was really great to hear from her that mm-hmm. the first of these you know rebranded cons from what it was with romantic times sounds like it got off to a good start and uh you know it's going to be in nashville in 2020 it's been moved up to march from may So that's something else you can think about adding to your 2020 calendar already. Exactly. Okay, guys, I think that's going to do
1: it for this week's show. Just a quick reminder before we go. Did you know that you can help support the Big Gay Fiction Podcast with a monthly pledge through Patreon? If you're a long-time listener, I'm sure you did. But in case you don't know, the additional support of our super fans helps pay for the cost of producing and distributing this show. Joining is easy, and you'll get special access to monthly bonus episodes, the opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests, and lots more. For details, simply go to patreon.com slash
0: biggayfictionpodcast. Now, for June, we want to send our patrons a special pride card. Uh, to celebrate Stonewall 50 and the Pride Month. Uh, If you would like a Pride card from us and you are part of our Patreon community, please go to patreon.com slash bigdayfictionpodcast and send us a private message with your mailing address. Uh, If you've given us your mailing address previously, we do not have it because we don't keep those. So if you'd like a pride card, get over to the Patreon site and leave us a message before June 1st because we need to order the cards on June 1st so we can get them in-house and mailed off to you. We would love to send you one, so please do that this week.
1: So guys, coming up next week in episode 191, C.B. Lee will be here to talk about her latest book in the Sidekick series, Not Your
0: Backup. I this series Mm -hmm. so much i have not gotten to read the new book yet but it was so great talking to her about her creation of this wonderful uh series of books about these teen superheroes so do come back next week to check that
1: out guys remember no matter where life takes you the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book until next time everyone please keep turning those pages and keep reading For detailed show notes and links to everything discussed in this episode, go to biggayfictionpodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday at all major podcast distributors. You can also find us on YouTube. I'm Derek McLean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.